Hello, and welcome to another episode of Chatter, a podcast from The Gist, with me, Josh Hamilton. Anthony Muller, Professor of Economics and contributor to many publications, including the American Institute for Economic Research and the Mises Institute, was my guest on today's show. Professor Muller is also the author of the book series, The Great Financial Crisis of 2008, and I wanted to ask him on the show in order to seriously discuss The Great Reset, Agenda 2030, and what they really entail, how our world is rapidly changing, and the economic problems wrought by our financial system and the current lockdowns. If you haven't already and you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast and to our mailing list. And don't forget, my book, Brexit, The Establishment Civil War, is now available for pre-order. You'll find the links in the description below. So, here's Professor Muller. Really snow and, and pretty cold. That's why I left the that's why I left the south of Bristol because <laughs> I hated the cold. <laughs> and I wanted uh, to move to the to the north. Northeast is, is is where I am now. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but um anyway, so uh you got the questions um and everything. I like my yes. I, I was reading through some of your articles last night and and like whilst like I think at first glance, sometimes some of the stuff that you, you've written can seem completely crazy. Like the language you're using is quite provocative. But as soon as you understand like the way you're trying to present it, it no mm-hmm. longer seems insane. You know, like, okay. you, do, do, you, do you understand what I mean? Like the words like possessed uh, yes. make, make yes. it seem like you're talking about actual demons and, and, yes. and hell. Yes. And then you realize it's like, no, actually, this is like a, it's an allegory for for yes, something different yes, yes, for yes. for just like a it's like an ideological possession rather right, than um, right. like a literal possession yes, yes, <laughs> um, yes. which I think is pretty pretty accurate at the minute um, for for the the way that people have, have responded um, l- l- the responses just have completely confused me um, I don't mm-hmm. understand like where like especially especially from the left just generally, they seem to like beg for lockdowns, regardless of like the human cost, and yes. and it like they're meant to be the people that care. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean uh, uh, here here in Brazil, who who is really uh, deeply negatively affected, are the poorest of the poor. Yes, now they get some subsidies uh, from the government that keeps them afloat, but it cannot go on forever. And most of them have lost their small jobs, and and it's hard for them to 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 return. And who were the privileged ones are all those working in the government sector, or in some technological companies. These yeah. are the privileged. That's very strange. And the leftists are fully in favor of the lockdown. I had discussion here at the university. And uh, there was a strange divide uh, in this direction, yeah, being contra or being in favor. And those more liberal in the European classical sense uh, were against the lockdown and all the leftists were uh, for harsh lockdown, just mm-hmm. closed down. It, it, they, they, they have fear in their minds. That was my impression. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of ironic given that like the entire last like three, four years, um, for example, with, with Trump or with Brexit and the, the, the sort of left wing media were 
or the left side of the media were, were constantly accusing all of the right wing voters of voting out of fear of of like immigration or uh, you know the new world or technology and that they were constantly accusing them of of like like being driven by fear and now that's like exactly where we're at with with what's driving their 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 like support for the the lockdowns it's the whole world seems to have flipped on its head um, exactly <laughs> So uh, to, to get going with some of the questions, um, like the, the term, the great reset has, has kind of yes. been, it's, I, I had a, a laugh with um, uh, Jeffrey Tucker from the American Institute for free enterprise, yes. who I think, uh-huh. I think you'd, you'd done some, some writing yes. for actually yes. a, a few years yes. ago. Uh, he, him and I were laughing because the term has been on this, this journey from it. It was like a kind of obscure term used by, um, people in in circles like the the rand corporation or the the world economic forum to discuss like uh the world transitioning into like a maybe a post-carbon or a more technologically advanced like in just progressing into the future that 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 they they envision as, as the ideal way for humanity and then at the start of the year some people started to discuss it and it was banned on social media because it was associated with uh crazy conspiracy theorists and then um, it started being used by like world leaders like Justin Trudeau and, and Boris Johnson. And it's, it's hilarious, like this, this roller coaster that the phrase has been on. But like, how, what, what exactly is, uh, what, it, what is like the Great Reset? What's, what does the term actually mean and, and where does it come from? Well, the term uh, in this usage of restarting uh, the economy and the society originates uh, directly at the World Economic Forum. They have on their website, they have various articles about that. And in the publication, the book publication by Klaus Schwab, he uses the term. So it is not an invention of any kind of uh, people outside of the World Economic Forum, but it was launched, this concept was launched by the World Economic Forum itself. And it is a scary term because this reminds of ideas that were fundamental in the big revolutions of our recent history, Western history. Uh, For example, the French Revolution. That was this first idea to have a kind of tabula rasa to destroy anything that was before. As you know, they changed the calendar, they changed the name of the month, all these basic things, they changed the churches and so on. They changed the, the saints and, 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 and took them in, in a rational form, so to speak. And this was strictly opposed to the approach uh, uh, of Burke, for example, of the British approach of a of a muddling through of a uh, uh, transition uh, uh, step by step, and uh, the other event that had a similar background of let's get rid of anything that was before is of course the Russian Revolution. Huh? The Russian Revolution is not Russian at all. It destroyed Russia. It destroyed anything that the old Russia was. And uh, when you do something like that, uh, it must fail. (laughs) 
I mean, <laughs> you can do that with a computer. And even with a computer, it's just the software you make a reset. Yes, you let the hardware intact. Otherwise, it won't function. So this is, in my view, yes, uh, even the term, yes, uh, uh, in this original, more philosophical sense, and even worse, in the sense, it's like you have your reset button on your computer. And all you have to do is click and the program starts again. Yes, this is an outrageous idea. It's, it's, it belongs to these uh, dangerous ideas that uh, in the past couple of hundred years we had in the French Revolution and the Russian Revolution and uh, partly in, in other uh, extremist revolutions that, that had happened during that time. Mm. I mean, the, the other example that springs to mind is uh, the, the Chinese communist um, cultural yes. revolution where they exactly, they, exactly. Uh, yes, it's a uh, it's it's a weird like what would you say to people who would say that, OK, you know, we we clearly are, I think, in need of um, some serious changes in 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 probably in our political system or at least in our electoral system, in the way our, our, our economy um, functions. Like there's a, I don't know if you're familiar with Eric Weinstein. He's, uh, he's mm -hmm, the, the, mm -hmm. the, I think he's the managing director of Teal Capital. Um, and he's a great podcast called The Portal. Um, yes. But anyway, his, his theory is basically that we've been on this great nap or the big nap, he calls it, since 1945, where we've kind of failed to, to update and, and, and I wouldn't say revolutionize, that's not the right word in this conversation, but he feels that we, we, need, to, we need to update and, and refresh some of, some of our systems. Like he said, like for example, in America, he says, look, how many, how many amendments have we had to the constitution in the last 50 years? You know, the, and uh, it doesn't feel like our, our legislative bodies on, on either side of the Atlantic are the ones I'm most familiar with are capable of dealing with with the 21st century like they're not able to to they don't seem to be able to to make uh laws to or even understand like social media companies the power of the internet um they don't seem to be able to like rein in the like the the most destructive elements of um like really really extreme un, unfettered capitalism it's not to say that markets and capitalism are bad, but when they go too far, there's, there's the yeah, problems get caused. And, and like, what would you say to people who say that we, we, we need this, we, like that this might be something, something really positive, that, that we have ha had this moment where, where we can now reevaluate everything? Well, I, I completely agree with, with some of the points. Uh, it is quite obvious that uh, the system that we have, built uh, uh, or was built after the Second World War uh, had worked very well, uh, I, I feel, uh, for the Western world. And uh, even if the developing world had joined in more openly, it would have been better for the, them too. And of course, the Eastern Europe and Soviet countries and China, as you mentioned, they could not, they did not want to, 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 to join in. And it was a very prosperous uh, uh, part uh, of history, uh, learning, uh, having learned all the lectures that the First World War taught and which the Great Depression had taught. So uh, it was a lucky constellation that in the main countries of the Western world, there emerged a leadership 
that had a deep insight into what could be best for their population. Now, uh, the, the first trick a little bit was uh, in this uh, world order at that time, that uh, from the beginning, uh, even when it was launched in the 40s already before the end of the war with the Atlantic Charter and the Bretton Woods meeting and so on, uh, of course, the United States uh, took advantage of their relative power position. Uh, Britain uh, was moving out, so to speak, as a main candidate of world leadership. And the, the US knew that very well. And uh, when you read some literature about it and go into details, the Americans actually wanted to uh, outmaneuver the British, which was very clear at the Bretton Woods Conference, where Keynes came up as the leader of the British delegation with some interesting idea about having a kind of world currency and a world uh, national central bank and so on. Well, I do not agree with anything he said, but it was a different idea than happened then where the United States took the power. Okay, we have the gold. They got, they got all the gold. They got the gold of the Europeans in the First World War and the yeah. Second World War. So this was one part of the story. And the second part of the story is, of course, now the dollar will be the world currency. And, uh, well, uh, there was a treaty, uh, the uh, IMF treaty, which in its basic uh, uh, elements uh, was a kind of, okay, imitation of the gold standard, but with dollarization. But uh, the history, as it always is, when you have the power, you don't need to follow the, what is stipulated. So the United States just did not fulfill the treaty. They did not uh, use how it, uh, the, the, the treaty said that you have to reduce the mass of dollars in circulation when the base in terms of gold is shrinking. So in 71, we had the so-called Smithsonian Agreement uh, under Nixon. And so you had a second phase. It was a big currency reform. So we had this uh, Bretton Woods Agreement uh, at then, and in the 70s, we had uh, the new kind of, some say Bretton Woods II that was happening. Well, and this feature has been ending uh, as, a, as, a, as a body that would work already towards the end of the past century. It, it, one could see that it does not work. The, the, the overblow of currency creation, the overblow of central bank intervention, yes, that the bubble making, yeah, it actually started in 87. 87, when there was this, this uh, short stock market crash, uh, the then uh, chef of the head of the American Central Bank, Alan Greenspan, said, well, the central bank will do all that's needed. We, we will give you all the liquidity we want. That, that was the signal for the financial market. Okay, now let's go on for a spree. They will always they pay us out. Yes, and they continue to bail us, to bail out. So it was a very bad transformation that, that had taken place. And most of the problem, like as you mentioned, this uh, strong uh, inequality in wealth, all leads back 
to the use of the central banks at the end of the of the 20th century, starting in 87 and more so in the 90s, and then again in 2008, and you could on, go on until now. This you, we, we the discussion of liquidity into the market, which benefits basically all this huge overblown financial sector. And this is something that cannot go on. That's quite, quite, quite obvious. And, and we knew that. We have discussed about that in economics at the, I'm a member of the uh, American Mises Institute. We've discussed that again and again, uh, but it has been going on and on. And uh, you can just look uh, how the European Central Bank acts. I mean, this is just outrageous what they are doing. It, that, that's the bad, bad side of the euro, that you have a mega central bank that's doing the wrong thing. That probably would not have happened, let's speculate, if there would be still a German mark and we still would have a powerful Bundesbank. They would not have joined in. But now you have the, the American central bank, the Fed, and the European central bank that do the same kind of crazy policy and it's, I mean, these two central banks alone, they, 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 they control more than half of the whole, whole uh, world. And in the financial area, they control probably uh, 90% if you count in the, the British central bank. Mm. Okay, so uh, just, just so, so I can get the, like this in, into like a small sort of layman's terms. Uh, so the Bretton Woods Agreement was essentially uh, set up at the end of World War II to decide to essentially formalize and interlink um like central banks uh, like around the world so so in in america with the fed in britain with the bank of england and then across europe with the with the the, the number of cent, uh, separate different like uh, national central banks and then um you're saying that then the the decoupling from the gold standard um and then further with the with the consolidation of the ECB around across the the basically the financial power of all of Europe was has been the reason for the 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 boom and bust cycle that we've seen in in economics through through the last forty years. Is that a fair assessment? Well, uh, I I feel that this is the heart of the matter. Mm. Yes. So, and, like, uh, just just for for people who 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 maybe don't quite get what we mean, like, why is a central? Why is is all of our power um, financially um, centered in, say, the Fed or the European Central Bank or the Bank of England? Why is this a bad thing that we have like a a, okay. a system of like central banks? Like, could could you could you lay that out? Yes. Well, uh, you have a money that is an, uh, a political money. The dollar is a political instrument. It is an instrument to maintain the role, uh, the leading uh, role of the United States in the system, which has some good aspects, but it, it, has, it is coming to an end. And so you also have for the national currencies, when you have a central bank, the, the organization or and the supply of money is out of the markets. It is not a market institution. It is a political institution. And so you always have a tendency to overexpansion. You have a kind of ratchet effect. Yes, this is a small crisis. Okay, 
increase the money supply. Mm. Now, when we have a kind of boom situation, nobody thinks about to reduce the the money supply. They they rarely do that. And if they do that, they fear that the money the market would crash, as it happened several times uh, over the past decade. In 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 the moment when when the central bank tried to to squeeze the money supply the reaction of the financial market was just too strong. Now you have this funny thing, the central banks created the monster, created the monster of a mega financial market. Now the central banks, yes, are under the control of the financial markets. The central banks must increase the money supply because if they don't, you have this mega market crash and many people have their pension uh, funds uh, invested and so on. So it's political uh, impossible, politically impossible to to have uh, a consolidation. Uh, that is a crazy situation. As they say, something that cannot go on will not go on. It will not go on. It it it, it is a, a, a dead end street. Mm. When you say um, the 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 increasing the supply of money, do you mean um, things like uh, quantitative easing? Or uh, fra fractional reserve banking, and this well, kind it's of basically uh, the the various phases of of quantitative easings that have been made, which which is just buying up the the bonds uh, in the market. They started with government bonds, and then they they went over and even buying corporate bonds. So it is a kind of indirect socialization that has been going on. And uh, with all these operations, the liquidity in the market has been increasing. And where does the money go to? It goes into financial assets, into bonds, and uh, the bondholders get, get rich uh, by that but due to the ever lower uh, interest rates. And then after a while, they don't get any money at all because the interest rate is almost zero. So this game has ended. This game is over. Yeah, in the bond market, you invest in the bond market because you have no return. And uh, so all the money goes into the stock market and even crazier in the stock market, it goes into a very small number of companies. All these big names that we know uh, were, were the private investor or, or usually who, have, who buys a fund. He looks up, ah, does my investment fund have Google? Does it have uh, Netflix? Does it have uh, Facebook and so on? Does it have Apple? So you have an extremely distorted situation. Yes, that simply cannot go on. So I totally agree with this assessment. I think many, many economists who observe or have observed the markets for a longer period of time and have some insight and some historical experience uh, are of the same opinion. Yes, we are approaching a crisis situation. Mm. Yes, definitely. Just, um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put some links in the in the description for people who are listening. Um, for example, between like after the 2008 crash from 2009 to 2012, um, the Bank of England actually created 375 billion pounds for quantitative easing. Um, like that's that's 6,000 pounds for every single person in the UK. And, and it's not like we saw anything like that in, in the pockets of, of ordinary exactly. people. I mean, the, it was at 10 years after the crash, the, 
the average like um, wage for like ordinary people still had not increased at all since the crash. Like it was a t- ten years of of lost growth, essentially, um, where the only people who who recovered were were the, the the very richest in in society. So you say that we're approaching some kind of crisis. Like, what is what does that look like, and and how do we hopefully potentially try and avert that? Like, what's the what's the remedy? Is is there one? I hope there is. Well, uh, one should have done the reforms uh, at least twenty years ago, and uh, this has not happened. Uh, as long as it was still beneficial for the United States to go on with the system. And interestingly enough, the Chinese took a very intelligent use of the system. So, and then you had this other approach in Europe with creating the euro, yeah, which also seemed, okay, we have the system under control. But all of these uh, major new constellations that emerge, yes, just postponed the very essence of the problem, which is the outrageous money creation. And now there are many uh, ideas on the table, yes, to get rid of any kind of fiat money system, or any kind of state-sponsored system. Uh, so I won't, would not want to go into the details because very complicated, like uh, uh, electronic currency and electronic currency like Bitcoin, which is outside of the government, which is outside of the state. That is an interesting idea, uh, idea as far as now, and it seems to get uh, popular traction. And on the other hand, there is the idea to construct a new system based on some fundamental asset, which could be gold, for example, yes? Or there are even ideas, that is my idea, I'm always for simple ideas in this respect, just to shut down the central bank and fix the money supply as it is. So you just, you have almost a gold standard, that is the thing, the money supply is fixed, and that's it. So you have nothing to do just to shut down the the system. And so the banks know, the financial markets know, that there will be no new money creation and they have to adapt to the situation. Maybe uh, at the first reaction, there will be a kind of stock market crash, but the levels are too high anyway. They have to come down. So this is in terms of, of the relation to the fundamentals, as they say. Yes. So there are various ideas about that. The monetary reform is, is the main, main point. Uh, as it happens uh, in history, yes, you can prepare for a crisis yeah, by avoiding it when you take the steps in time. But as we know, it's even in private life sometimes like that. We always lack <laughs> yes, the energy or the insight to do things when we know it can go on. Well, mm. just give it another shot. Let's mm. just go on. And in politics, of course, it's even worse. So uh, uh, usually a crisis is the point where you always have, where you also have a change of elites. This is also an important uh, point. Yes, so you have a system, now we have a system where you have this, this interrelated groups, 
between uh, managerial class, political class, the swinging door system, you have the military industrial complex, you have the pharmaceutical complex, all in a very tight form. Well, it is different from the past and different from 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 uh, ancient system it is based on this kind of meritocracy it's not uh, exclusive yes you can move in to, through through studying through through education and so on and through your own managerial skills mm -hmm. so this this also keeps it intact yes but it has some immense weaknesses uh, because uh, as as one it is like an it's like anything we do on this earth if you build a house yes it must be maintained and sometimes the point is is here where you have to get rid of it and construct something new but usually you do that in a way uh, of not a total reset of not a total dabula rasa mm. but you try to save as much of the past of your inheritance of the fundamentals of your well-being of your ideas as you can and now the the reset to come back to that they they not just plan to make dabula rasa with all uh, existing cultural points uh, that are important to see, but also uh, how human beings should live. Yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's like it has some kind of these elements of the Russian Revolution or the Communist Revolution, better said. Yes, to create the new man, the new human being. Mm. Yes, yeah. The so homunculus. Yeah, so I I I, I want to move on then to 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 the the agenda twenty thirty and the the no privacy no property thing. But just just to to clarify then what about the so your 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 thoughts about the monetary system is essentially that we need to to revert to some point where the the month the the amount of money in the system is fixed, whether that's uh, through Bitcoin that exact for example only there's a set amount of yes. Bitcoin. Exactly, or yeah. uh, where your your each each pound or dollar or euro is linked to a, to a, to gold, for example, or you just like cut off the the Bank of um, England's ability to just print money because what happens is the the when when you pump money into a system like that, especially through something like quantitative easing, where the money is, is essentially just injected straight at the top of the of the stock market, that you might be like uh, spurring some kind of economic growth, but what happens is the people like the, 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 the people at the bottom don't ever see those, those benefits and the money, the extra money that's created ends up accumulating more and more at the, at the top of, of, of our system and the, the, with the wealthiest people. And it devalues the, the, the money that, that the, that the ordinary person actually exactly. has. Okay. Exactly. Okay, good. I've got that on then. <laughs> that's good. I've understood. That's it. That's exciting. Because uh, sometimes, sometimes I, I like uh, I'm listening. I'm talking about economics, and I'm like, I, I think I understand. Um, it's, just, it's not. It's not a simple system. But um, so you you've talked about um, the you've you've criticized the I think it's Agenda 2030. I can't uh, um, that the yeah. basically the idea that um, according to the World Economic Forum, the plan or their their prediction for the world in uh, 2030 is that we will have no privacy and, and no property. And, and uh, this is something that my mom has been like, she's, she's very like big on like making sure I buy a house at some point. 
and I, I try to explain to you that it's not as easy to actually buy a house as it as it used to be. Um, <laughs> but uh, why why is it important for us to, in your mind anyway, to to keep property to to have to own something? Because like should, like uh, for me at the moment in my life anyway, I I, I don't really have a problem renting. Like it, it's uh, it's easy. It it allows me to to up and move quickly. Like why 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 is it so crucial for you to to say that we we maintain that we should maintain property as as something that we as as ordinary people own? Well, uh, that's that's a very very good good point uh, that you mentioned, and uh, of course there are uh, many things that we rent. Uh, well, the, the most simple simple thing is you you go into a restaurant. Uh, you want you buy the food, yes, but what do you rent actually at that time while you eat is the table and the chair? Yeah, have you thought about that? Mm-hmm. So uh, we, we have always this this connection between these these two elements of renting, and never anywhere has there been been a a complete private property uh, system. Yes, as you know, you mentioned buying a house, having a house. Uh, as soon as you have this house, it is subject to so many regulation. You cannot even uh, remove some, some, some uh, uh, thing, some, some uh, uh, wall outside without some authority from authorization by by the government and so on so and and you're limited in the private property of using certain certain food and so on yes but uh, it is the point is and I come back to uh, Ludwig von Mises uh, he said uh, liberalism what is liberalism in the European sense uh, what, what does it mean to have a, an economic system where freedom, is a, a value. And he said in putting it in one word, it is the ownership uh, and it's the, the ownership, the private property. Yeah, private property gives uh, to the individual this kind of freedom that he, 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 he has to, 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 to grow his own personality and also to give this kind of incentive to yes to uh, accumulate wealth it's a it, it's the part of the capital capitalist spirit to to own yes if you if you don't have that and so you have these management companies that 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 that, that manage property but you have this in a certain way in socialism Yes, in socialism, you had a, a house, uh, but you could not do anything. You had no market for it. You were not really the owner of the house. Yes, uh, you, you were almost renting it, even if you were formerly had the right to live there. What was the point? Nobody took care of it. Nobody took to care of it. And there was no dynamic in the economy of, well, let's use the term, uh, of the Marxist of capital accumulation. Yes, uh, capital accumulation in this real sense is an important part of the, of the human being. And well, you can think about of a future economy like a communist economy. Yes, and the point is, why would you strive to uh, 
build up a company, a new company, if there were no property to it. Yes, if, mm. if uh, I mean, uh, uh, what's the incentive the, the, to being, being proud of something? Yes, in this sense, and you can even go to the arts. Yes, imagine that I paint a picture as let's say a, a painter, and I am not the owner of this picture. I just, it is the state, I paint for the state. Yes, mm. and just imagine what the result is. And we have seen that. Yes, at first there was some kind of, of boom in the arts uh, at the first years of communism because the old system, the old culture was still uh, uh, living. Mm. Yes, and then after a while, the so-called socialist uh, realism, as they called it, was just uh, a horror. Yes, and, and, and uh, I mean, when you're not the owner and, and you're a private property, so this is, these are my songs, so to speak. Let, let's put it in this way mm. to, to make it more accessible to, to many people, not so materialistic. Yes, yes. So you are, a, let's call it, you are a rock group, and all the music you write are for the state, and he lends it out. Yes, <laughs> and it lends it out, yeah. It just would not work as, 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 as it would seem. Yes, and that was the idea of the communist, and the literature is full of that, that when we have communism, a new kind of person will emerge. A new kind of person who would, would be able to do these things without property. Yes, but I think it definitely does not does not work because things and creations are part of your identity. Yes, and so uh, let's put it this way. <clears throat> you, 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 you rent, <clears throat> I exaggerate <clears throat> a little bit. You, you rent a Ferrari and you're on the street, yeah? And then comes a nice girl and, and she said, this is your car. And no, I just rented it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean that's the point. Yeah, <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not your nature to 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 do that in these things. Yes. So you're saying it's not just um, <clears throat> a sense of like that that we need something to that that it's nice to have something to strive for. The idea that we you know we'll we'll have our own place that we can like build as our our own. It's 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 as well. It's it's the idea that. If we don't own something, then we're we don't take. If we if it's not ours and we can't like put our own stamp on it, that that we take no pride in it, and that things will deteriorate <clears throat> because because no one takes like pride and ownership and responsibility for something or some place or some company, because if it's all rented and it doesn't actually belong to anyone, then no one has a no one has a need to to maintain it and to, to, you know, develop it and to, 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 you know, want the best for it. Because if you don't really truly own it, then you can't, yeah, you can't take, take pride responsibility for it. Well, I think this is <clears throat> just, just one aspect. <clears throat> Maybe the more important aspect is uh, that you would not create. I mean, just think of kids and the kids paint something. And that, that's, that's what I painted. That's what I did. It is mine. I give it to you. I show it to you. I may read it to you, but it's still mine. So let's say children will have a very strong sense that, let's say, uh, your boy 
painted uh, 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 something and, and, and your daughter says, no, I did it. That will be a big fight. <laughs> also, it, it would not matter very much. Yes. Yeah, it's I, the creative part. The creative part is very important. Mm. So like if you, you see <clears throat> Da Vinci, or is it Da Vinci? That, the, yeah. who, who painted the Mona Lisa? I can't think yeah, of Da Vinci. Right the da Vinci Leonardo, was, yeah, was Da Vinci. Da Vinci. So you yes, said yeah. Da Vinci wouldn't have, have painted the Mona Lisa if he didn't own the canvas. Well, uh, uh, at least he could, could say, this is the building I, 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 I made and he, would, he can give it away. He can sell it, of course, but it still is his, his painting, mm, his property head. in these things, intellectual property. Although he has painted, it's still identified. Mm. It is not a collective enterprise. Mm. It's individualistic. I mean, this is probably the point. Yeah. And <clears throat> the, 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 the main point in all uh, of these uh, systems is, does it uh, open up uh, human energy or reduce human energy. And if you think of such a system as the World Economic Forum imagines, I think it will pull out and, and negatively all energy in the human beings that are there. Uh, well, uh, <clears throat> just a couple of, of, of days ago, somebody asked me, wouldn't it be beautiful to have a basic income Everybody gets a minimum basic income, yes. And we have a system that would allow eternal life. Yes, <laughs> so uh, ideal combination. And I told him, what would uh, a young person to do in this respect? I tell you what it would do, he would do. He would sit 24 hours in his room and play video games. <laughs> That's all he would do. Yeah. I mean, this is obvious. He, 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 the life will go on. I can mm. do what I want to do in 50 years. Uh, I get a new organ and so on. And I don't need to work. I don't need to educate myself because I get my basic income. And uh, with, with these thousand or $1,500, I live quite well with my online. That's all I need and some hamburger. And this is, this is just life fine. This would be a huge amount of young persons who would fall into this trap. I'm quite sure mm. i'm quite sure well, maybe not it will not affect me or you because we are still from the other side of the world yeah we would go on because we are programmed in a different way mm. but the persons who, who were now born into such a system yeah who from early on in, in school they hear yes my daddy lives on one thousand five hundred dollars and he's quite fine and so on well yeah, so I, 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 why should i learn anything Mm. Why should I, would I create anything? It will suck energy out of the people. Yeah, they would, they would be very lame and, and very stupid. It would be a total stupidity all over. I mean, I guess like my, my understanding of how the, <clears throat> the, the only way that I think universal basic income could work, uh, I don't think if you combine it with, with eternal life, that's <clears throat> going to be very sustainable. But my, my thoughts on it were always that you have to find an amount of money that it that provides like the barest most basic life that you can possibly imagine like anything beyond like subsistence food and like a roof over your head it should be your own 
like choice to pursue. So if you're happy with like, like, uh, you know, just living, living in a shack with, with like a bit of bread, then, you know, fine. But uh, my thoughts were always that, and this might just be me, that uh, it would be great to, to be able to free people from the need to just take whatever job they need. And it would give people maybe the, the, the freedom to, to kind of pursue their own, their own desires for at least a little bit or develop themselves or say artists who, who can't, uh, or, you know, authors, writers, um, any, anyone in like a creative industry that you need to take a lot of time to develop your skill and that it could be a, a great way to, to allow, allow people to do that, especially in a future when, when things are going to be automated more and more and more, um, yeah, that was always my thought on it, but but I think you could be right. Like, there's definitely something about 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 needing to do something, like say that menial job, that that shitty like minimum wage job that you don't want, and to learn like that that everything isn't like perfect and easy, and and that you you just have to do something in order yeah. to get by. You can you can it, it makes you then appreciate more when you get. <clears throat> to a place where where you can like do a job that you genuinely enjoy like that 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 was like a a really that was a really useful like tool almost for for getting people to to like realize when they're lucky and they have like a job that they can enjoy of and course. to like build character and like exactly. build your your fortitude and your your ability to accept things that aren't maybe exactly as you like them like I mean, I, th I feel like my generation is probably a bit soft. You know, we've had it. I keep, I keep, I keep joking that we're all spoiled, soft, soft children. That like, if our gra if if our grandparents had had all of the uh, all of their rights and liberty taken away with very little uh, explanation, justification, yes. or vote yes. this yes. year, that they would have been on the street, and we're all just sat inside on Zoom. Yes. <laughs> well, as to your example, you can say, <clears throat> can you imagine? that uh, Charles Bukowski, <clears throat> for example, if you know this, or the Charles Bukowski would have become an author without this terrible jobs he had to do. Mm, I, I don't, mean, I don't all, all great artists go through this kind, or Van Gogh or whatever great artist uh, had this kind of, of, of uh, yes, uh, maturing situation. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's, it, it sometimes when, when when you talk about it in this way it can sound quite callous and you can like it's like yeah people need to have a shitty life to appreciate the good parts it it makes it makes you sound like like an awful like an awful person to some people but like that's that's truly the reality like uh like you mentioned the soviet union and the lack of 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 great artwork that that came after the original the initial sort of like spur of of revolution yeah. and the, but like ironically <laughs> one of the greatest works of 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 literature that that um I'm, I'm just starting to sort of delve into was uh gulag archipelago by alexander solzhenitsyn mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. that was that was created because of the the struggle that he had to yes. go through yes, you know the, yes. the 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 impact and the and the words and the understanding of the human soul that is in that book was born out of the the struggle that he had to go through. I think it's it's Keith Richards who said that um, hard times makes great music. 
Right. Yes, I totally agree. He's a mm. good example. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had their they had their hard times. <laughs> Even the yeah. Stones had their hard times. Yeah, but I mean they they grew, <laughs> they grew up in in the in the 50s in Britain when 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 rationing was still widespread um post-war. You know, like that was not an easy time to grow up. I've I've heard yes. plenty of stories yes. from from my gra- my grand about my grandparents so like the the house they had to live in like it was like nine of them living in this tiny little house that yeah, you know yeah. it i i i think we just don't quite even understand how how that would have been like what what that would have been like in a, in a way um but but yeah so the another thing you if you've been um sort of critical of and or of the idea of that's that's kind of implicit in the the agenda 2030 is the fact that you're you're scared maybe of a, the idea of a of a world government and and like to to a lot of people maybe that like that's that's the future we always see in sci-fi you know star trek you've got the world government or in in futurama you have um nixon's head is the president of earth and um, like it, it, it doesn't seem like on the face of it like a bad idea. Like sure, like a like a broad set of rules that govern the entire world would like to would seem like a like a good idea, like a like a really reasonable thing that that we would want to have like an agreed upon basis for for how we would like all nations to live. But like, why why do you think that's a bad? Why do you think it's a bad idea? Well. Uh... <clears throat> Uh, having a world government uh, is being sold as the as a means to end all wars, and uh, so okay, many people are fascinated by this idea. Uh, uh, then you have a a, a police force uh, instead of an army, and now this police force is in the hand of a small group of decision makers, and you can simply imagine. Uh, what sometimes rulers do when they have a police force in their hands. And now we have uh, a police force when we have a world government, which is global. And this means that the individual cannot escape. And uh, this is actually one of the fantastic features of the European history, that throughout the formation of Europe, which is in some way a unity, but never united, yes, that you always could flee from one land uh, to the the next, and the governments had to do uh, hard work uh, to keep you in sometimes. But usually in periods, it was unwelcome. You just went to another country, to another state, and in times of crisis, it was very important that you could move. Yes, for example, where I studied in uh, University of Erlangen-Nuremberg, we had a Asian of the Huguenots, yes, uh, who fled France uh, when, 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 when they had another religion than the state religion. Yes, and Voltaire came to, to Britain and British uh, fled to France and so on. So we, we always had uh, uh, this kind of moving around in Europe amongst the intellectuals to get new ideas. And so nothing could get too much out of hand. And when it got out of hand, it was in the European history all, all, always limited to a small, relatively worldwide, small region. Yes, so you had fascism uh, here, you had Nazism there, you had communism there. Yes, you had uh, Frankism there. There were always spots 
of suppression. You had even in Britain this religious terrorism, Cromwell uh, and so on. So you, you had all these kinds of small uh, events of terror. Uh, naturally, these things happen, but it was always confronted by the others. And sometimes it just happened that all the others united yet to get rid of this, uh, let's call it cancer uh, within Europe. Now you would not have that anymore in the, in the, in the world. Now you can see California uh, uh, makes a mess uh, with taxation, with regulation. Now businesses in, in, in California can move to Texas because we have still states in the United States, individual states like we have in, in Europe, still federalism. Now, when you have a world government, it wants to have all things, <laughs> yes, to have at the same level under the authority with rules from above. And there's also this problem, the further you go away from the point where the problems are, let's say housing, let's say uh, streets and so on, how can a world government manage that? This is, this is an idea that is absolutely absurd, absolutely crazy. Yes, just look the problems already a country like France has because of its centralism and how better off are countries like the United States where the states have more autonomy. This is an essential part. I would actually, uh, my argument would go to the contrary even the states that we have nowadays are too big. Yes, I'm in favor to get rid of Germany. I'm in favor that Scotland will be independent and so on. France must, must uh, uh, and, and this is a recent thing that we have this kind of nation state. Yes, that you can read the documents when the, the first world war started and people had to identify their nationality. Yes, uh, in France and Germany, they did not identify it French and German. In Germany said, I'm from Bavaria. In France said, I'm from the Provence. They had no idea of this nation. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I still re admire United Kingdom because you still have four football teams. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in, we... my case, in my case, I can say that. Because if we had a Bavarian team, I think we would also be one of the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Bayern Munich are, are yes, I, I yes. assume. Yeah, but then it might not, like, uh, Bayern Munich's players are not all Bavarian. Just uh, that's the right. Well, well, they can be nationalized. They can be naturalized. They would. <laughs> <laughs> they would. <laughs> oh, I mean, the, 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 uh, the Northern Irish football team or... or um, where there's constantly an argument as to whether people should should play for Northern Ireland or the Republic of Ireland if you're, if right, you're from right. Northern Ireland, which is is a really strange thing. I've never never quite understood why. Like you might not agree that Northern Ireland is a is a real country, um, but I think at this point we're a hundred years old, and you probably have to accept that. Like even if uh, you don't don't agree with um, the British rule of Northern Ireland, that it is a, a nation state probably in itself. And I've never quite understood why people would choose not to, not to play for the the place where you were born. Like if if that's if mm. that's if that's where you're from, that's where you're from. Um, but I mean, that's just me. That's probably quite a controversial thing to say back in <laughs> back in Northern Ireland. But like, that's really interesting that people like before the First World War didn't didn't associate themselves with with like the nation of France or or of, or of Germany it's um the the splitting up of of like nations within Europe is actually something i came across um 
in a book by uh, this economist from Britain called Roger Boodle. It was called Making a Success of Brexit. Mm-hmm. Um, and whilst I, I didn't really agree with a lot of his, um, some of his conclusions or, or arguments, um, he put forward like a few different interesting ideas for how Europe could function better. And one of them was, was, was as you, as you, you kind of suggested, was the, was the further fracturing of the nation right, state right. into, yes, into like absolutely. a, and it, it was, was an interesting idea to me. I, I mean, like it's, I, I've, I've been on a weird journey with my, my thoughts about the European yeah. Union, like my, my well, first. And, and, yeah. and, and actually uh, nowadays it is much easier that technology helps us to do that. That's also an important point. Part of this nation building was because of the technology, for example, a system of trains or of canals, uh, channels or of uh, uh, Audubon system. Yes, you had this idea of a nation at a bigger uh, 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 space. Yes, and now when we have, uh, for example, internet, uh, we do not need the national boundaries as a certain system. Yes, we could do it from local to local. Yeah, so this is an important point to make this technology. Well, yes, because the technology actually would make a world government possible in a negative way, in a terrible way, in a horrible way. And this modern technology also makes possible a fractional uh, world Yes, where you move and from locality to locality, actually, and but in a in a in a human way, in a, in a way of freedom. Mm, and wars would end in any way. Small countries don't wage wars, or they are not very problematic. So your basic argument against a world government then would be that um, if it goes at some point goes despotic, then yes we would have no escape essentially that 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 that, yeah because like one of the one of the things that we we discussed um there actually before we started was um i am not a fan of any of the covid related lockdowns or or regulations Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i have spent quite a lot of time considering where and which country i feel would would allow the most um freedom of of thought um and of speech and of a of just just freedoms that we we kind of like have willingly given up this year and and that if there was a world government implementing these these rules that there would literally be no escape uh and people people like people always kind of roll their eyes at that idea it's like oh don't be stupid i got like a world government would never would never become tyrannical don't be silly um but <laughs> i think that's a, quite a naive um perspective personally i think the probability is even higher when you have a world government to be tyrannical yes because you have to suppress all kinds of uh, small localities that want to move out this police now this uh, that's no longer called an army would call the un police force mm-hmm. yes would have to intervene all over the world all of the time and the lockdown is a good example actually because here you have an example of a world government this time from the world health organization that announced the pandemic by changing the definition before that it would had to be grave and it had 
be uh, uh, come together with uh, uh, mortality. This mortality case was cut out. So any, any spread of some kind of virus, virus can now be declared as a pandemic. And uh, all these nations that did the lockdown and uh, had signed a treaty uh, many years ago, together with the UNO, United Nations and the World Health Organization. And they were almost obliged to impose the lockdowns, a horrible situation. And I think the lockdown is actually the drastic uh, uh, argument against any kind of world rule. And, and oh, let's look who leads the World Health Organization. Hmm. Yes, and how uh, human, nice, uh, sympathetic, and lovely these leaders are, yeah. and, and not how dictatorial and uh, all, almost criminal they are. Yeah, I'm just looking at this. Um, hang on, let me share this with you. Um, I have just found, I did not know that they had changed the uh, definition of mm-hmm. um, pandemic. pandemic. I mean, that there's a thing uh, here from the British Medical Journal from 2010, mm-hmm. um, and they where they okay, changed yes, changed yes. the they changed the definition of an influenza, influenza pandemic. pandemic. Yes. Wow, that's interesting. And that was after the H1N1 outbreak. Yes. In, in, uh-huh. ah, I did not know that. There you go. Every day's a school mm-hmm. day. Yes. As my as for, my friend for likes everyone, to say. for me too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's strange. Actually, I wasn't aware of that. Um, but then I, I I think I remember hearing um, in like June of this year that they had declared the pandemic over, and then that they redeclared it. I, I I yeah. But the World Health Organization is is um, very disturbing. I mean, when they uh, when they just refused to did did you see that call where they refused to acknowledge the existence of Taiwan? where the guy got asked about Taiwan's response from the yes. World Health Organization. And he's yes. he just like, oh, I didn't hear you. And then mm-hmm. they, they went to repeat the question. Went, oh, no, we'll just move on. Like, yes. like just to completely deny the existence of Taiwan yes, because it was... Yes. No. Well, it shows the influence of the Republic, People's Republic of China in all these organizations. Yeah. Yeah, the Chinese, uh, the Chinese government. They is, uh, have a large part of the African nations on their side. Mm. Just an example, and they have votes, and they, they, they built their empire. They are building their empire. Yes, usually uh, they say, yes, China has never been imperialistic. Yes, it had always been uh, closed uh, for itself. But what the Chinese are doing now uh, is, an, is uh, creating an empire. Yes, and particularly they, they grab areas like the imperialists of the 19th century, uh, Africa and uh, for, for the Chinese, Africa is very interesting because it has the resources and the space that is needed uh, for, 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 for China itself. And of course, they have strong uh, relation with uh, South America. Uh, they see Brazil as their uh, chamber of food supply. I mean, yeah, I, like one of the things that like if it's it's almost become like a little bit not not dangerous, but like a taboo to discuss ideas like things like the, the World Economic Forum or the authoritarian empirical nature of, of China or the fact that they have very much 
corrupted and bought off the World Health Organization, or even just to discuss the phrase, the Great Reset. Like a lot of the topics we've touched on um, today are, are uh, often, like as soon as you mention them, the, the response from a lot of people is like, oh, you're just some crazy conspiracy theorist. Like, like what's, what's your response when people come at you? I don't know if they, 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 they say that to you personally, but that's, it's, it's something that I've seen anyway, reading stuff and watching people discuss similar things to us that they just get written off as some crazy conspiracy theorist, even though they're discussing things that are like completely out there in, in mainstream, uh, mainstream like news sources or, or like openly published in, uh, in like white papers, like things that, that, that have evidence and like you're just reasoning things out. And then you just like that, that term conspiracy theorist gets like thrown at you. Like what's, what tends to be your like response or thoughts to that? Well, uh, first, I usually, when the discussion in this direction comes up, <clears throat> somewhat <clears throat> ironically, I cite uh, Rothbard, uh, Murray Rothbard, who said, conspiracy? Everything is a conspiracy. <laughs> Everything is a conspiracy. The Catholic Church is a conspiracy. Mm. Yes, every political party is a conspiracy. Uh, the the Austrian School of Economics is a, a, a conspiracy. The Keynesians uh, emerged from a conspiracy in Cambridge. Yes, with all these groups of, of Robinson, all these 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 uh, first Keynesians. Yes, that that set out to conquer the world of, of economics. So uh, conspiracy are everywhere, and in each kind of state, each kind of company each kind of university, each kind of political movement, you have the inner circle and the outer. You always have in a department at the academic department, you have a few small persons who are the insiders. Yes. And sometimes you have the chance to, to get in or usually you don't, you don't want to do that, but they're always in a company. Yes, you have these uh, members of the company, workers of the company. And so you have all, all, always uh, a group, an insider group that moves things and which are necessarily. And at first they do not say much about their, their, their plans. Yes, because they are still unripe, because they are still not uh, uh, solidified. Now, to the term itself, of course, it has a longer history, but it had it had it had been be uh, become popular uh, in relation to the assassination of John F. Kennedy. When, after this strange event, for anybody a strange event, yeah, uh, initiated some kind of doubts, some kind of alternative history on a new narrative, as they say nowadays, uh, the CIA came up with the idea to reject all these uh, uh, yeah, different narratives as a conspiracy while, while the conspiracy in fact, was the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Mm. I mean, this is the crazy stuff. Now we have another, the, 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 the Twin Tower, 9-11, uh, which is also very interesting, which was also, wh whoever did it, whoever did it was a conspiracy. Mm. Yes, but now you come up with a different narrative. You are the conspiracy theory. Yes, mm. absolutely crazy. 
Yes, so it is an accusation without any value. Yes, because anything you do, let's say we launch a business. I have some business idea and, and think, okay, we need someone uh, like you and so on. I would not uh, uh, publish that uh, and, and, and go around crazy. Yes, I found a new partner and now we're going on. We keep it secret. Yes, yes, and we move on. And then, of course, after a while, it turns out, okay, that, that was it. Yes. So, uh, in 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 terms of of, of conspiracy, I, I I totally agree with uh, with Rothbard that anything that is in the world is the result of some kind of conspiracy. You can go back to the foundation of the Catholic Church or any other religion, and you find also this this element. The point now is where I have doubts. And where I had some long discussion when I was a student, I had a good friend and his family was very involved in top positions in Germany and he knew a lot of things. And he always said to me, uh, well, you know what? They are all stupid. <laughs> 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 that was his view as an insider, so to speak. Yes. Yes. He always said, don't put too much knowledge into what is going on. Yes. Like when we talked about uh, in economics. Yeah. Why do they increase the interest rate? Why do they do that? He always said, don't put the, it's just the crazy committee. They, they, they just, they actually don't know what they're doing. And, and after a while I've, come to this similar conclusion that if you think about now in my area in economics yeah how can a group yeah of maybe 10 people that are the main decision yeah, decide about the interest rate how can they decide about the uh, exchange rate yes this is so absurd so outrageous yeah how can uh, let's say a prime minister or, or a president who from day to day has so many issues. And I always, always talk to myself and say, look, look at these guys, look, look at the chancellor or look at the prime minister or look at, at the president. What is 90% of his time? 90% of his time is fighting the other party. I mean, they don't even, they don't even, how, how much time does any of these guys have to really go into a matter? I mean, uh, it's all fighting to maintain in power. Yes, be, be it in Germany or the United Kingdom or, or in the United States, they're all equal in this respect with this system that we have, that fighting for power takes 90% of the time. Now, if you think about that, now you have to make a decision. Let's say about the lockdown. What, how much time do you have to have a solid, rational, insightful decision? You have no time. All you think, will it help me for my power grab? Will it help me to maintain or not? And now you have it. Yes, with the lockdown. It, it, is, it is absurd because it, has, it was done, yes, to maintain power. People want action. Ah, this government does something. Yes, and the more brutal the lockdown has been done by some governments, the more people admire, oh, yes, he's tough, she's tough, he's tough. Yes, he does the right thing. They protect us. Yes. And so, so behind that is not so much a conspiracy, although everything is a conspiracy, but a lot, a lot, a lot of stupidity. 
and power, power desire, power, power, uh, uh, the, the desire for power. Mm. Yeah. I could yeah. not, I couldn't Ob agree obsession more. Obsession for power, being possessed with power in, in the term that Nietzsche used the term. Yeah. Yeah. Machtbesessenheit in, in, in Alemar, uh, uh, yeah, possessed by the desire to have power. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess none of us really like, unless you've been in that position, you don't understand what that's like. I get like, it's, it's very difficult to understand what it must feel like to have your, your hands on the levers of power, unless you've stood there, you know, it's got to be weird. But anyway, that, that seems like a fun place uh, on which to, to leave things. Um, Professor, it's been a, it's been a pleasure. It's a lot of fun. So, Thank you for having on, Josh. It's been great. I'd like to discuss with you the matters. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening. If you haven't already and you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast and to our mailing list. And don't forget, my book, Brexit, The Establishment Civil War, is now available for pre-order on Amazon. You'll find the link in the description below. Until next time, thanks so much for listening.